from the Sandia Mountains of Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're back at the Craves Controversy Podcast, where law and history meet to understand judicial opinions. I'm your host, Tara H. This week's episode is on the current climate of the First Amendment Free Speech Clause, using the combined cases of Kansas v. Boatger and Kansas v. Johnson, decided June 22, 2020. In the first case, Timothy Boatger went to a convenience store upset because someone had killed his daughter's dog, and the police were not investigating it. Boker said to an employee, these people might find themselves dead in a ditch somewhere. That same night, he approached another employee, and Boker knew that the employee's father worked as a detective with the sheriff's office. Visibly angry, Boker said to the employee, you're the man I'm looking for. He added he had some friends in the area that don't mess around, and the employee was going to end up finding his dad in a ditch. In Kansas v. Johnson, Vicki Walker was reportedly being abused by her son, causing problems in her home and she was afraid for her safety. One night, Walker called the police on an argument between Johnson and his wife. After arguing, the wife ran and locked herself into a room, where Johnson then kicked down the door. By the time the police arrived, Johnson had left. The next day, Johnson returned to the house and threatened Walker by removing her phone from the wall and saying he will burn her things and kill her. Boker and Johnson were charged with making a criminal threat in violation of Kansas law, which is any threat to commit violence communicated with intent to place another in fear, or any threat to commit violence communicated in reckless disregard of the risk of causing fear. Under Kansas law, to be reckless is to consciously disregard a substantial and unjustifiable risk that circumstances exist or that a result will follow. The Supreme Court of Kansas held that the Kansas law allowing conviction of criminal threat by a person making a threat in reckless disregard of causing fear is, in fact, overbroad. The court reasoned the law could apply to statements that did not have the intent to cause fear of violence, and therefore, the law violated the First Amendment Free Speech Clause. The Free Speech Clause says, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. From the original intent in 1791 to today, the Free Speech Clause has evolved through many cases. Courts have generally maintained the government can't prohibit an expression just because society deems the expression is offensive or disagreeable. Courts have also specified that expression be taken in context. The freedom of speech does not include all speech, however. True threats fall beyond the protections of the First Amendment and can be criminally punished. What, then, is considered a true threat? A true threat is distinguished in Watts v. United States and further elaborated on in Virginia v. Black. In Watts, a man protested his draft call into the Vietnam War at a public rally, stating, If they ever make me carry a rifle, the first man I want to get in my sights is LBJ, LBJ being the acting president. The threat was not deemed a true threat when considered in context, but rather a political hyperbole. In Virginia v. Black, Ku Klux Klan members violated a Virginia law prohibiting cross-burnings with the intent to intimidate any person or group of persons by burning a cross at a rally and before an African-American's front yard. The Supreme Court in Black explained, 
the First Amendment permits Virginia to outlaw cross burnings done with the intent to intimidate because burning a cross is considered a form of hostile intimidation. The case goes on further to explain, true threats encompass those statements where the speaker means to communicate a serious expression of an intent to commit an act of unlawful violence to a particular individual or group. And intimidation in the constitutionally prescribable sense of the word is a type of true threat, where a speaker directs a threat to a person or group of persons with the intent of placing the victim in fear of bodily harm or death. Using Watson Black for defining intent in a true threat, the Supreme Court of Kansas held the Kansas law unconstitutional. The Kansas law did not meet the threshold of intent required and therefore violated Boker and Johnson's First Amendment right to free speech. The state of Kansas appealed the case to the Supreme Court of the United States, asking whether the First Amendment prohibited a state from criminalizing threats to commit violence communicated in reckless disregard of the risk of placing another in fear. The Supreme Court of the United States actually declined a review. That means the decision of the lower court, the Kansas Supreme Court, stands. The lower court's ruling will stand as precedent, at least over that court's jurisdiction, which is the state of Kansas. Though the Supreme Court declined review, Justice Thomas wrote a dissenting opinion to the court's decision, stating that they could use this opportunity to clarify unprotected true threats under the First Amendment. The Supreme Court of Kansas used Virginia v. Black with the same reasoning as some other courts but also recognized the conflictions between other jurisdictions. It was for this very reason Justice Thomas wrote his dissenting opinion. Justice Thomas believes the First Amendment was originally written to not include reckless threats under a protected form of speech. Though his dissenting opinion does not set any standard, it has the potential to be used in the future persuasively as the free speech climate shifts in society. So, how can this denial affect law moving forward? Since the Supreme Court denied review, the Kansas court decision stands. The Kansas criminal threat law violated the First Amendment free speech clause. The Kansas law established a lower level of awareness and intent than the First Amendment required, using the reasoning from Black. However, this decision is only binding to the state of Kansas. Other state courts still have the possibility of a different outcome based on their own prior case law and their analysis in Virginia v. Black. We wonder why the Supreme Court didn't take the case for just this reason. The Supreme Court could have interpreted the law to use over all jurisdictions. Perhaps it wasn't the right case, or maybe not the right time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and follow for next week's episode.